Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Tuesday, December 10th edition of the MayOB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'll be taking you guys through the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. Got a few pieces of news to talk about today. Um, fight announcement, I got a reader question as well. I should mention in about an hour's time, I'll be joined by Cole Shelton to break down UFC 245. Can't wait to talk about that card. It's going to be a lot of fun. But first and foremost, let's get to the news from the last 24 hours. So I'm going to start with Liz Carmouche. So, of course, on the weekend, Liz Carmouche was released by the UFC. Pretty shocking decision in many ways just because uh, she had signed a new contract recently. She was in Washington, D.C. with the promotion on a tour to see veterans. She's been in the hospitals with the UFC, seeing veterans, wounded veterans, going to Arlington Cemetery, and they caught her. So it was definitely a bit of a surprise, I'm sure, to Liz Carmouche and to a lot of fans, considering she had just fought in a title fight. I talked about this in the podcast yesterday, you know, the decision to cut her, obviously I think it had a lot to do with that last fight with Valentina Shevchenko. It was not a good fight, not an entertaining fight, and I think the UFC decided, you know what, there's just no value in having her on the roster when she's probably going to grind out a lot of our 125-pound prospects or 135-pound prospects, uh, and we'll just decide to release her. So apparently she hasn't lasted that long on the free agent market. According to Steve Morocco and MBFighting.com, Liz Carmusha will be signing with Bellator. So I think a lot of people penciled this in as soon as she was released. They figured Bellator would give her a shout. Makes a lot of sense. I, I think it's a good signing for them. Uh, obviously, she is a pretty notable name in the world of mixed martial arts, women's mixed martial arts. And Bellator is still building up their divisions at 125 and 135. Now, there is one potential conflict here. Of course, Alima Lay McFarlane is her friend. It's her training partner. So... And she's obviously the champion, so I don't expect them to be fighting anytime soon. But the thing is, with Liz, she can fight at 125 or 135. And she doesn't have to fight for the belt. There's other fights for her to get. You know, I think Bellator will probably keep her pretty busy. One of the things she talked about when she was released was the fact that she wasn't getting that many fights and she wanted to fight more often. She fought twice this year, but last year only fought once. Only fought once in 2017. Only fought once in 2016. Only fought once in 2015. Only fought once in 2014. So... Really, she's been averaging one fight a year for the UFC. I think Bellator will keep her a lot busier. They need female fighters. They need flyweights. They need bantamweights. So this makes a lot of sense, in my opinion. It is a good match, a good match on paper. I think Liz could have went to Invicta. She even mentioned Ryzen and won his potential landing spots, but it looks like Bellator's going to sign her. So that's not 100% official yet, but as soon as the UFC gives her her release papers, Bellator will probably sign her, according to Stephen Morocco. And again, I think it's a pretty good signing, and it makes a lot of sense. Although, again, she won't be fighting for the belt because her best one of her best friends is already the champion. A couple other pieces of news here. Johnny Walker, he's going to probably be training at TriStar. Frost Ohabi was uh, talking to Brad Okamoto of ESPN, mentioned that Johnny is in talks with Frost right now to head to TriStar Gym. This is a great move for Johnny Walker. He's a guy who's kind of a nomad. He goes around to different camps. I know he's been training in Thailand. Obviously, trains in Brazil as well. But I think going up to TriStar Gym will probably help him out at this point in his career. We know this guy's knockout power. We know he's flashy. We know he's a lot of fun to watch. But that last fight, Corey Anderson, was very disappointing. It looked like he just didn't have a game plan. He didn't have the right coaching in that fight. And he got caught and he paid for it. So this guy, to me, is still a top prospect at 205. Only 27 years old. You know how exciting this guy is. He has some, tons of knockout power. He's got submission abilities. Very dangerous guy. But he is coming off a loss. And a lot of times when fighters lose, they just stick to what they're doing. And they hope for better results. In this case, Johnny said to himself, you know what? I don't like the way I perform. I'm going to go and, and try something else. So this is a great move for him. 
I wouldn't be surprised if his next win is a decision, not a uh, stoppage. Frost Hobby obviously is known for uh, putting fighters in good positions to have great performances over the course of three or five rounds. And I think this could be possibly Johnny Walker's next uh, win over Krylov. You might see a, or excuse me, not win necessarily, but a, a, just performance. I think we could see a more uh, technical Johnny Walker, uh, a more patient Johnny Walker. Um, he is known for his early knockouts. It wouldn't surprise me, obviously, if he knocked Krylov or, or submitted him even, but if the fight goes the distance, it wouldn't shock me at all. He's only actually had one uh, fight go the distance in his career in 21 fights. It was against Henrik De Silva on the Contender Series last year. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, once he does go to TriStar, they, they teach him to be a little bit more patient, not bull rush, and just kind of take his time, maybe work on his grappling, show that part of his game off. I think it's a good move for Johnny Walker. I'm not sure what you guys think. Throw a comment in there if you'd like, but I think it is a, the right move for him, actually, at this point in his career. Cody Stamen's in the news again. Uh he is going to appeal his decision loss to Song Yudong. So this is interesting. Uh, I should say Mike hacked at BJPan.com interviewed him yesterday. There's a great interview over there at BJPan.com. Mike's doing a great job, by the way. Uh, go and follow him if you don't. Uh, he's one of these up-and-coming journalists, and he's doing a really good job. He had a great interview, though, and, yeah, Cody's obviously not happy. He thinks he got a job. I think a lot of us thought he won the fight. Uh, even with the point deduction with Yudong, you know, I, I don't think a draw was the right decision. I do think Stamen won two rounds. So I would have scored a 29-27 Stamen. I don't think it was the worst decision I've ever seen. I, although I did think he won the fight, I've seen worse decisions, obviously. I don't think this appeal is going to work. Very rarely do appeals work for decisions. It's more like if there's a, you know, a timekeeping issue, if there was a rules infraction, if the referee did something wrong. In this particular case, their argument is Jason House is his manager, and their argument's kind of like the judges in this fight were inexperienced. They hadn't judged UFC fights before. I don't know if that argument's going to work, personally. I, I understand why they're doing it. Why not call attention to it? I get that. I don't think it's going to work, you know. I just feel like the, because it's a draw, especially, it won't work. If there's a loss, maybe, but even then, I don't, I don't think they have the grass to appeal to a no contest. So, to me, this is probably going to be one of these things where I think the UFC should run the fight back because it's just a, it's an interesting matchup. And and honestly, Dong's going to be this next big prospect at 135. He's got to be able to wrestle a guy with Steeman a little better. And for Steeman, you know, I, although I thought he won, most of us did, it, it still wasn't like the most clear decision I've ever seen either. So run it back, just get, get this uh, fight going again and uh, see who the better man is because I doubt a draw is going to happen the second time around. Justin Gaethje, uh, he was interviewed yesterday, and, he, and he's talking about Conor McGregor's return. And surprisingly, he was actually really happy about it. He just praised Conor McGregor, said, you know, he's great for the sport. He's excited to see him return. And yeah, and Justin even said, I'm happy it's at 170 and not 155 because it doesn't affect the bell to 155. I'm not convinced that's a, that's the case. I think Justin's being a little uh, too optimistic there. I think if Conor wins against Cerrone, even if it's at 170, yes, he probably does fight Masvidal next, but would it really shock anyone if he beats uh, Cerrone at 170 and then the UFC's like, you know what, we'll give you a title shot against Habib, Tony, the winner of that fight. It wouldn't surprise me at all. So it was cool to see Justin actually give Conor props. And he's right, though. Conor's great for the sport. It's great for all of us writers. It's great for the media. It's great for the fans. It's great for everyone, the UFC, um, everything. So it is good to see him back in the sport. Hopefully he stays out of trouble this time. And um, really looking forward to that fight next month. And actually, that's a good segue here in Marcus's question. Have you heard anything on when UFC 246 tickets go on sale? I'm surprised they've been a little mentioned this with the show six weeks away. 
Man, great question, Marcus. I mean, they just announced this fight, what, like last week? So I guess uh, they want to keep announcing some more fights. I don't think there's a co-main event for that card. They're probably going to settle that this week. I'm kind of hoping it's Rosenstruck versus Nagano. I think that would be kind of cool as a co-main event, but we'll see. So, yeah, I haven't heard anything about that, but I'm assuming the next week you have to sell those before or at least put them on sale for Christmas, right? So, And they will sell out fast anyway. So, yeah, I think just they're waiting for that co-main event slot to be filled, and then they'll put those on sale. Couple other things here. Uh, Tyron Woodley said he's not going to fight Leon Edwards in London. He is open to fighting Edwards at UFC 246 or UFC uh, Raleigh. I think the 246 makes a lot of sense for Woodley Edwards as well. That could be a co-main event, a uh, possible number one contender fight as well. So that makes sense. I can't blame Woodley, Woodley for not going to London to fight him. Uh, not. It's a kind of an interesting matchup first off, and then if you go to London, it actually gives. Edwards more an advantage. I can't believe Woodley for not wanting to do that. But yeah, I hope that fight is booked, though. It makes a lot of sense right now with the way the division is stacking up. And you know, if Masvidal does end up fighting McGregor in a, in a BMF title fight or a money fight or whatever, you know, the winner of Edwards and Woodley could very well face the winner of Usman and Covington for the belt uh, sometime, hopefully in the spring next year. I hope that belt starts getting defended a little bit more. It was only defended, well, I guess it'll be the second time uh, next this weekend. Obviously, um, Usman fought uh, Woodley back in March. No finances in the UFC. They've been announcing fights like crazy, so no surprise there. But there was one in PFL I want to get to. Um, the PFL finale takes place, uh, obviously, New Year's Eve. And it's going to be a pretty good card. I know a lot of people probably won't be watching it. And by the way, PFL, you know, I like PFL. I like what they do. And the reason I like what they do is because they give fighters opportunities. And anytime a fighter gets an opportunity to make more money, I'm happy about it. But the problem with PFL is the numbers have been coming out. The, the attendance, the gate, the TV numbers, not good. Not good. So... Does it last the third season? I'm not sure, but at least it will last the second season, and hopefully these guys do end up getting paid. The last last year they got paid, so I'm assuming there will be no issues here. But yeah, I I don't know if there's going to be a third season. If that's the case, you know, you have to wonder like where do the fighters go? Do they go to the UFC? Do they go to Bellator? Who knows? That's obviously neither here nor there. But anyways, as far as this fight goes, Brandon Lofton will be taking on David Valent. That's a special attraction fight on the finale card, which will feature six title fights. So six five-round fights, and then we'll have this fight, maybe another fight if I had to guess. But, yeah, well, Brendan Loftin, obviously, the UFC passed on him after Contender Series. It was a mistake by Dana White, but he has looked pretty good since then, picked up a win over Matt Wagney in PFL in his last fight. He takes on this guy, David Valent, 11-4 record. Don't know too much about him, but he's coming off two straight losses to Carrington Banks and Bruno Tavares. Banks used to fight in Bellator. The fact he's coming off two losses and he's fighting a guy as dangerous as Brendan Loftin, this is a setup fight for Loftin. PFL likes him. I like Lofton too. He's a good fighter. He should be in the UFC right now, is what it is. Dana White didn't like him that much. But yeah, I think Lofton should probably win this fight pretty easily if you had to ask me. And the last thing I want to talk about here, I got some questions. I got a question from Kevin Wills, Kevin Scott. And Kevin, I appreciate uh, the questions as always, man. And you guys can send questions anytime you want. My email is adam underscore martin13.com. I always appreciate questions. I'll request Kevin's question right now. Just it's actually from uh, I think he said it Friday. I wasn't able to get to yesterday with the recap show, but I want to do it right now. Just caught today's podcast. One thing to keep in mind with Tyson Fury is that money is of zero concern to him. He's a really interesting character. Remember, this is the guy who donated 100% of his purse from the Deontay Wilder fight to charity. So if he takes a pay cut to come to MMA, which would definitely be the case, I doubt the difference is too much for a guy who recently wrote a $7 million check to charity. Not saying it will or won't happen, just that money probably won't be the deciding factor. He also has another question, but I'm going to get to this one first. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's a good point, Kevin. You're right. Uh, it, it, Tyson's definitely a different guy, you know, and I think uh, he's a guy who's dealt with a lot in his life, 
And I think he's responded really well to the adversity that he's dealt with. And he's a really interesting character for sure. And like I said, a different guy. So you're right. Maybe the money isn't the most important thing. Maybe he just wants that challenge of fighting the UFC. And I will say this, if he does want to fight in MMA, he's hundred percent coming to the UFC. There's no other promotion that makes sense for Tyson Fury. He won't be fighting in, in the regional scene. He'll be like CM Punk and get a first, his first fight in the UFC. So it's interesting. I, you know, I think with the, with the boxing, with the knockout power, and the fact it's at heavyweight, he would be able to knock out a lot of guys at heavyweight, even with a questionable grappling game. But at the end of the day, you know, if he really wants to compete for the title against a guy like Stipe, we have to see him on the ground. I don't know how he's going to do the ground. I doubt he'll do very well. So, you know, hopefully he does train the next couple of years and gets better at it. But at this point, uh, it's almost like he comes to MMA, it's just going to be boxing with four-ounce gloves on, which is kind of cool, but I – I don't see him winning the belt, but I do think he can knock some guys out, especially in the lower end of heavyweight, no doubt about it. Even there's possibly some top 15 guys he could just catch and knock out. So I, I think you're right. Maybe the money is not the most deciding factor, but, you know, as I talked to us with Cole, I think it was on Friday, uh, the pay cut from boxing to MMA would be massive if he ends up doing it. Second part of Kevin's question, also the greatest fighter of all time is fighting next week, a man in New Year's. Okay, that's interesting. There isn't a resume even close to his male or female. Who else can have claimed to have first-round stoppages over every champion history across three different weight classes and two different promotions? Just look at her. She has first-round stoppages over Cyborg, Bud, Duran, Amy, Rousey, Mishite, Holly Holm, and two wins over Shevchenko. That's every champion at 145, 135, and 125 history, as well as the only 145 champion Bellator history. Even though with six first-round stoppages, that resume is easily the greatest, and there isn't even a close second. Now, as far as female fighters go, yeah, I agree with you for sure. But, I mean, it, okay, first off, it's it's the whole GOAT argument is extremely hard to do. And, by the way, there's a funny video floating around at TMZ of Nunez standing around with a bunch of literally goats around her. She's holding up her belts, and there's goats behind her. Now, it's like I said, it's hard to compare men to female, first off. Um, so comparing to you know Nunes' resume to John Jones or or whoever at the Anderson Silva GSP, those guys, it's difficult to do. Now, as far as her accomplishments at, at uh, in the women's divisions, I mean it's incredible. I actually just wrote my preview up yesterday and was sent every sent to MMA Oddsbreaker should be posted the next couple of days for UFC 245. And I'm with you, man. Just looking at her resume, it's just unbelievable. Like the nine fight win streak she's on, it's actually nine fights in a row she's won. Uh Seven stoppage wins in that time. The two decision wins over Shevchenko. No shame in that. One loss in the UFC. She's 11-1 in the UFC. One loss to Katz and Gano, which obviously looking back, surprising, but the times in Gano actually was a really good fighter. Her resume is amazing. Holly Holmes, Chris Cyborg, Shevchenko, Rousey, Tate. You know, you can go down more. Duran and me, Sarah McMahon. Her resume is amazing. No doubt about it, but I just find it difficult to put her on the same level as John Jones. That's just me. Again, it's really hard to compare a female and male fighter. Um, I just think we should have two separate pound for pound lists. You know, UFC only does one, but I think we should have two separate ones. Because if you look at John Jones, 25 1 in one no contest, the one no contest was a knockout win by head kick over DC. He did test positive, so no contest, whatever. And then the other was uh, the other loss was obviously the DQ loss to Matt Hamill 10 years ago which was one of the worst calls by referee ever in MMA history. Steve Mazzagotti should be ashamed of himself. John Jones is an undefeated fighter. He's 20, in my mind, he's 27-0, and 0, in, in most people's mind, with uh, 16 finishes. So um, the guy is amazing. And I, to me, he's still the greatest of all time. I know, obviously, the PD thing's not good and the stuff outside the cage, but you can't discount what this guy's done. 
two wins over DC or one, if you want to count it, two wins over Gustafson, Smith, Santos, OSP, Glover, Chael Sonnen, Vitor, Rashad Evans, Bachita, Jackson, Shogun, Ryan Bader. I mean, this guy, he is the best resume of all time, in my opinion. So I know what you're saying about Nunez. She's incredible. Female fighter-wise, yeah, I think she's past Cyborg. I think she's past Rousey. She did beat them both head-to-head, too. That's huge. But all-time, it's John Jones, in my opinion. And again, it's very difficult to compare a female goat with a male goat. But if you ask me who the goat is, and I was, you know, you put a gun to my head and say, who's the greatest fighter of all time? It's John Jones. That's just my opinion, though. Anyways, guys, I appreciate you tuning in as always for this uh, morning podcast. I'll be back at 11 a.m. with Cole Sheldon breaking down UFC 245. Guys, check me on Twitter at MMAdamMartinPodcast, MMAoddsbreaker.com, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, iTunes, everywhere. Also, check me out at BJPen.com and MMARatings.net. I'm going to be leaving for Vegas on Friday morning, so the podcast is going to be at some different times next week, but I'll still be doing it. I'm definitely going to be uh, keeping you guys up to date on what I've been up to over there in Vegas and uh, talking about the fight. So, guys, have a great morning, and I'll be back in just a little bit to break down UFC 245. Have a good one. Bye.